0: You know, I started this podcast almost five years ago because if I know anything in this world, I know that success leaves clues. So being able to sit down and talk to and interview successful people who are doing interesting things in and around entrepreneurship, that's how I learn. And subsequently, so many people who listen to this show uh, are always reaching out saying that one episode or another just always was what they needed to hear at the right time. And so today we might have uh, uh, just one of those things. Somebody might just get touched by what we say. I think we have a really good interview uh, scheduled for you here today. But before we get started, this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, well, It could be brought to you by you. You know, what I've done is I've gone ahead and set up a Patreon account because uh, a bunch of people were saying, you know, I'd love to support your show, even if it was just like $5 a month. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really looking for that. But another podcaster convinced me I should at least try it. So I opened up a, uh, a Patreon account and we have some special offers on there. If you like the show, you're a regular listener and you think, yeah, I'll give back just a little, you could give as little as a dollar a month. I don't think it matters, nor do I think I really uh, am that concerned. I just put it up there at patreon.com slash cool things podcast so check over uh, there we have some special offers for people who maybe want some coaching or maybe want to be in a group coaching group that i'm looking to put together so today i have a great interview with the interim director of of the Loyola Center for Entrepreneurship at Loyola University in New Orleans. Uh, I ran across them online. We had a little bit of a chat and I said, you know what? I bet you guys are doing some really cool stuff around entrepreneurship. Would you be on the show? And as I always mention, I love people whose immediate reaction is yes. They don't even know what the show is necessarily yet. And the answer is yes, we'll be on the show. So Kate McCreary, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for having me. So what is the Center for Entrepreneurship at Loyola University? And also give us a little bit of your background and how you got to be the interim director.
1: Sure. So at Loyola University, New Orleans, what we really try to do is fill the needs on both sides. So we have students who are a four-year institution. Uh, we also offer a few graduate programs, but then also we're, we're within this amazing um, burgeoning startup economy and ecosystem in New Orleans. We really got a boost after Katrina in 2005. We got an influx of all these amazing ideas and people who wanted to make them happen. And so where I sit in higher education is I'm trying to fill both needs and they're not mutually exclusive from each other. So students come in and they have a lot of passion and they have a lot of big dreams and they don't quite know how to realize them. And then in the community, you have Folks who are making those big dreams of their own happen for the community, but they need a little bit of, of help and support. And so students need experience and startup entrepreneurs really need, um, you know, just a few extra hands sometimes. And so for me, it's a real mutual fit that lifts everybody up.
0: So and how did you what's your background? How did you end up in this role?
1: Sure. So, my background, um, it's funny, my students come to me and they're like, tell me about your amazing career. How did you get started in entrepreneurship? And I always kind of laugh and I say, well, maybe I'm not the best model, but it really happened by act. So for me, what really, uh, the, the common thread uh, in my life is social impact and problem solving. And so, I started out, um, I graduated from college and I went out and started teaching abroad. And, you know, so education has always been one of my core values. It's how do you, um, you are a little bit older than the folks who might be teaching or or know something that the folks um, who are your students might not. And they also have something to share. So for me, it's that mutual exchange of we are, you know, at different points in our lives, but we all have something to share. And then how do you contribute to a greater mission? And so I came from education teaching abroad, went to grad school, started working in international development, so poverty alleviation elsewhere. Um, And then how I got into entrepreneurship was I kind of had a reality check. And my master's thesis was creating a social entrepreneurship high school in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and which was great and sounds very noble and all that. But when reality hits, you say to yourself, what am I doing in Ethiopia? I'm not Ethiopian. And a lot of the folks in my hometown of New Orleans face the exact same problems that folks in Addis Ababa do. So challenges in uh, getting employable skills, challenges in, in social justice issues and racial and equity issues. And so I kind of uh, took that step back, took that honest uh, self-awareness and realization, and then looked for paths, the career paths where I could deploy that. Um, so from uh, right in uh, my graduate school was located immediately across from Columbia Business School. And so I threw myself into a Columbia Business class. I remember sitting next to a friend, um, hearing the term ROI. I had no idea what it meant, wrote it down, circled it about 42 times and then went and looked it up. And that was kind of my the beginning of my foray into entrepreneurship and this big scary thing called quote-unquote business, right? And so for me, um, after a lot of uh, false starts, I wanted to see how I could, you know, take that, that social mission, uh, the social justice mission that really drove me, um, but also make it sustainable through finances and operations and all the, those great lessons learned from business. And so that's how I came to impact investing. And... Um, uh, there are a couple of players in that space, Echoing Green, which is a social entrepreneurship fellowship in New York. Their offices were just a couple of miles down from me in Manhattan. And I literally emailed, uh, cold emailed the team and I said, hey, um, I love what you do. I believe in your mission. I want to help. I have 10 hours, um, you know, free. Uh, I'll do anything you want me to for free. Uh, I'm not an axe murderer. I'm at this <laughs> graduate school and this is why you should take me on. And Cheryl Dorsey, bless her heart, uh, who's the president of Echoing Green, took me into her office for, I think, a 20-minute meeting. And I talked as fast as I could. And being from the South, that wasn't always easy. But I I sped up the the pace of my dialogue um, and pitched her on everything. And uh, nine months later, um, I came out with a communication strategy for them. And then about a year later, I ended up working um, at a place called Village Capital, which for me, was uh, really the uh, I think the epitome emerging that social impact and in, in entrepreneurship. So, Village Capital is an impact investment firm that invests in for-profit uh, entrepreneurs with solutions to social problems. Um, and so, for me, that for-profit element is what makes everything sustainable. And when entrepreneurs, whether they 're in the nonprofit space or the for profit space or what have you, when they don't express a concern for that financial sustainability that immediately sets off all sorts of red flags because that 's the core to to you know uh, to, to perpetuating that impact in your drive for the future.
0: So it's interesting that that then you came back after the time in New York, you came back to your hometown of of New Orleans. And, you know, we started off by talking about the fact that the the center has this bridge between helping the people in the community and helping the students. So let's look at the community first. Obviously, so I love New Orleans. My wife and I honeymooned there 27 years ago uh, when we got married. I've probably been there over 20 times. Uh, New Orleans happens to be a town that has a lot of midsize conferences, and I make my living speaking at business events. And so it just seems maybe it's my proximity living in texas so i'm I'm sort of a close by easy flight but i get booked to speak in in new orleans every now and then and uh have had just great visits there and it is a town especially since katrina there's a town that has this huge entrepreneurial vibe when i meet locals and so what are some of the things going on in the business community in new orleans that make it sort of ripe for that
1: sure so i to kind of you know, merge my previous story into this one, I I made it back four days before the 10th anniversary of Katrina. Uh, I moved from D.C. here uh, without uh, really any solid job opportunities. Um, And for me, that was extraordinarily important. And so I came here from bigger ecosystems like New York and D.C. And I started, you know, meeting with people and talking with entrepreneurs here and talking with the entrepreneur support organizations. I think for us, we have a few elements going for us. Uh, One, you know, we we attract talent because folks really love the lifestyle and the culture and the vibe, and so we we have an influx of folks who have different perspectives, which you know diversity always leads to stronger systems and, and ecosystems. Um, I think that we have a lot of young talent, so. Uh, coming off of the trend uh, post-Katrina, uh, we got a lot of Teach for America talent that, again, brought in that younger population here. A lot of them have stayed, raised their kids here. But on the backs of that, we've also continued to get waves of, um, you know, fresh graduates um, and a few years out of college that you, they bring the passion, they bring the energy, and they bring the desire to take stock around here and, and start solving problems that they see. Um the other thing we have is we have uh, a relatively um, a, a few established companies that have been going since the late 90s, early 2000s, that uh, in turn have spawned uh, some spin off companies that are uh, inspiring others to do the same, but are also uh, maintaining the high standards for uh, other entrepreneurs in the community. And so um, other than just pure heart, soul, and resilience that have, has driven the city for really the last 300 years, um, I would say those are, are some other assets that we have.
0: Well, and that's something that we saw in Austin, the semiconductor business of the 70s and 80s in Austin and in the 90s and the birth of Dell Computer, the combination of sort of all that and and many other companies as well, really created that ecosystem that you're referring to. So that is, I think that is common in cities. When you have some companies that have success, people can cash out, go do their thing. They can invest in other other areas. And so I think there's definitely that. You also have the advantage that Austin has lost uh, a little bit, and that is the cost of um you know New Orleans is still a very affordable place to to come if you're a young person looking to start a business I know a lot of the musicians that used to come to austin uh go to New Orleans just because we've you know our, our cost of living has gone up so much in the last decade
1: for sure yeah we still are are, we're facing increasing challenges around affordability of uh, housing, um, of food, even, and of transportation costs. Um, especially when you know you take into account, okay, well, we don't want to lose the young talent, so they are looking to buy, but our flood insurance, um, in addition to normal house home insurance, right, um, combined with the the astronomical prices of real estate here in some places, uh, is really outpricing the the young folks who want to want to stay and raise their kids here so we do face certain challenges on that side Um, but we're not as high as austin we're not as high as clearly san francisco or new york Um, so you know hopefully we can continue maintaining that competitive advantage
0: so switching over to Loyola university in new orleans uh, you know, years ago, there was always the argument. I'm I'm much older than you are. There was always the argument that you couldn't teach entrepreneurship. There weren't entrepreneur programs when I went to college. I mean, there were there was business administration, but there wasn't anything about entrepreneurship. And, and looking back, I wish there was. I probably would have gone and, and pursued something like that, and probably gotten my wall against the the my ladder against the right wall much earlier. But nowadays, it's become not only trendy, but but sort of acceptable that you can teach some of these skills. So what does the center do for the students who are there at Loyola University?
1: Sure, that's a great question. So, you know, the debate of whether or not you can teach entrepreneurship, I think it depends on what you mean by that. Can you, anybody can learn what a business model is. Um, you know, folks are born into a little bit more resources than other folks, so they have some more room for experimentation, you know, when uh, investors or when you hear the term, hey, go raise a friends and family round, that might be <laughs> great for some folks, but other folks don't have friends and family with money, right? <laughs> and so, you know, when it comes to teaching entrepreneurship, Entrepreneurship. I think what you can do as a higher education institution, and particularly a Center for Entrepreneurship, in that is set the conditions and create conditions for um, students, for young folks to try things, fail, learn from them, try again, fail, learn again, and then try again. And so... Um, we' are working on a program where uh, students can can go through that process over the four years uh, when, from freshman to senior. And so by the end of it, we are aiming for students to be trained in okay, well, how do you you know learn from things that didn't go so well, set conditions and measurable results so that you can do better the next time, which might may or may not get you there. But at the end of your four years you will have, um, gone through that experimentation process of starting things um, and then learning a l- little bit more how do you make those things sustainable um, to create repeatable and scalable business models, right? And so I think that, you know, within that, the, the student population of Loyola, sure, you're going to get those folks who maybe don't go on to be entrepreneurs and maybe go on to have nothing to do with entrepreneurship per se themselves, but what they will come out with is a way to spot opportunities and, and see those as problems and then create solutions to those. And so that's a win in my book. Well, yeah, I, that's still I agree. entrepreneurship.
0: Well, and I agree. In fact, I think we talk a lot on this program about intrapreneurs, you know, people who work inside their company, but have that entrepreneurial spirit. And it's not just starting new things. I mean, part of it is, is it's trying new things. It's taking risks. It's, you know, being the person who who supports, you know, the the idea of just because we haven't done it before, it doesn't mean we can't do it now. Uh, where in many right. big companies. There are too many people who are like, oh, we, we don't do it that way around here. Well, that's how we get stagnant. Uh, one of the things that it's, since I've turned 50 years old that I've embraced is this whole concept of try new things. I actually sell t-shirts that say try new things. You can go over to trynewthings.shop and buy a t-shirt and it is really changed my life. I wish that at 20, someone had told me that you're going to have to all throughout your life, Be trying new things in your personal life, in your hobbies, in your relationships, and certainly in your career. And I think that's probably one of the things that, uh, with what you described, will stick with those students forever, no matter what they do.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, one of the most important things, uh, like you just said, is to not be daunted by the fact that something already exists. It's how do you make it better? And that in itself is trying new things. Right? And, and so students come to me, I ask them to, to ideate and brainstorm about you know uh, solutions to problems that they see and they face in their daily lives. And some folks are like, but that solution already exists. And so I always point to the example of the iPhone, right? The iPhone isn't the first cell phone. It's not even, in some respects, measurably, the best cell phone. However, it is the iPhone. And when I say that, that conjures up a whole set of feelings and emotions and brand associations. And that's really the success of the iPhone, apart from its technology, is that it has taken a, an established concept, which is cellular, cellular technology and telecommunications, and, and it's made it better because it tried to do it in a new way.
0: And I, I mean, I, I, am like all excited because you hit on it. I mean, I think that's been Apple's success and, you know, to some extent, Steve Jobs, you know, rest his soul success was he didn't have the first computer either. He also didn't, you know, uh, you know, create the user interface with windows, you know, I mean, with, uh, with graphics, you know, he, he took that from Xerox. I mean, he just, he would see things that other companies did and he would make them better. And yet we look to him as, oh, he's the greatest entrepreneur you know, of several generations or one of. And yet at the same time, if you really look at the ideas, what really made the iPhone and essentially the new Apple was what he did with music. With music. But he didn't invent streaming, and he certainly didn't invent the music industry. And yet I recently interviewed someone from the music industry on the show, and they basically said, look, Apple saved the music industry. And so, you know, he took something that was there, changed it, and actually saved and created two industries. Saved the music industry and created the smartphone industry as we know it. So, you know, I th- I'm, I'm all excited about what you're talking about. Because, again, I wish one of your students could build a time machine and stick me in it and send me back to, you know, 1988. Because uh, I would love to be, you know, in school and be able to, like, get these lessons. So I think these are really important things that you're teaching the students who are there at the school. So... My next thought is if somebody is listening to this, and, and maybe, they're, maybe they're a student. Maybe you forward this out to the people at Loyola. Uh, maybe they're a student at another school because one of my listeners sends it to their son or their daughter. If someone wants to and they're young and they want to go out and they, they want to adopt this entrepreneurship, even just inside of themselves, if not to go start a company, what advice do you have for
1: them? So my advice is just to, to take action and to try something right and I know it's a cliche and I know it's um you know probably too short to to really talk to anybody specifically but uh, it's it's like the class that I teach so I specifically chose to teach freshmen and the first day of class I put up the the quote from Yoda and it says do or do not there is no try right so um the point of my class is to, again, set that environment and set those conditions and expectations that you're going to do things that make you uncomfortable. And so one of the greatest fears um, that a 17 or 18-year-old has coming into the world is that if you ask them to go talk to strangers, they are absolutely petrified. (laughs) And in fact, I have um, received extremely angry uh, replies to assignments that I set up. But these assignments are uh, go out and go uh, interview somebody about their lives, which, you know, if you're on the other side, it's it's the friendliest query that you can uh, say is, hey, tell me about yourself, <laughs> right? And But but for a freshman, they are so worried about what the person on the other side will think or say or judge them about Um, But I say, hey, you know, your students and a few other folks have have touched on this, but just go up to say to somebody and say you're a student. And that will give you basically like carte blanche to ask so many questions and to learn from this person. Um, And so it's not, you know, I I would say to anybody who wants to get into this cool, sexy thing called entrepreneurship, you know, it's not um, one do and then two be really honest about your why why are you doing this or why you know uh, be self aware and and that leads to uh, a connection to other folks who are doing the same things and so um yeah i I guess that that would be my two pieces of advice.
0: Well, so I think it's great. I started my speaking career teaching executives and students and everybody in between sort of how do we connect with people in this gadget crazy world? Because it's not just being 18 that makes you scared to go talk to a stranger. A lot of people don't like to do it at 48 even after they've had a long career and yet people who are able to build a network and make connections and you know the word networking gets bantered around and has kind of you know some bad connotations with some but the definition really is the creation of long-term and mutually beneficial relationships between two or more people where everyone involved finds more success. And so if, especially as a younger, as a student, if you can build relationships that you can cultivate over years, as you get out of college, maybe some of those people become mentors. It opens up so many doors and yet so many people don't take the steps necessary to be able to do it. So I love that you're challenging your students to kind of do that. Cause that's something that, that I've, I've been teaching. And one of the things I talk about when I'm invited to speak at a college is you know, I tell everybody, I know you have enough work to do, but I got a book for you to read, and it's not one of the ones I wrote. I think one of the best books, I wish it had been written when I was that age, it's called A Curious Mind, and it's written by Brian Grazier. And Brian is a movie producer, and you may not know the name Brian, is it Glazier? I think it's Glazier. Anyway, you may not know the name Brian Glazier, but what you will know is is the name Ron Howard, who of course has directed some of the greatest movies in the last 20 years. And they have worked together going back to Splash, which I think was the first movie that he directed. Uh, and they have worked as a, as a team producing these movies. And the way he, Brian Grazer got his start is, he essentially, I'm going to mess up his story. I'm sure if he listens, he'll be like, well, that's not what happened. But it was something to the effect of, he basically dropped out of law school and got a job at a movie studio working in, something like the mailroom. It was a really low-level job, but it gave him access to people. So when he would deliver a package to a producer, he'd look around and go, wow, how'd you get this office on the Warner Brothers lot or wherever they were? And the person would say, oh, well, here's how I started my career. And he basically said, when you have a curious mind and you ask people about their journey, they'll talk. And like I said at the beginning of the show, success leaves clues. And he started originally informally and then formally formally throughout his whole life, interviewing people, still does. Now that he's one of the, the richest people in Hollywood, he still meets with people. Now, of course, being Brian Grazer, he can now pick up the phone and get, you know, Barack and Michelle Obama to sit down and let him interview him. But once a week, he interviews people just to learn about their lives. But he said it's made him a better movie producer because when they have a problem in a script over 30 years or 40 years, he's met people. Who've lived lives similar to that character, so it makes him better at his job because he's been curious for multiple decades. And so I, you know, I think what you're teaching these students and, and assigning them to do, I, I mean, I think I think the ones who grasp onto it are going to be the ones who look back and say, "Wow, that was life changing." So, cheers for that. Yeah,
1: that's my hope. That's <laughs> my hope for sure. Um, and you know, coming kind of coming back to the social impact theme uh, within my journey, uh, I've actually applied this to the social justice. Uh, honor seminar that I taught at Loyola this past spring where I had, you know, kids who are naturally, you know, high achieving um, or naturally or unnaturally learned nature versus nurture. I'm not sure, but they came in and they, you know, were very opinionated and which was great. And I loved that in a student when they, they, uh, they argue and they discuss and they debate. Um, But I walked into class and I had my whole lesson plan um, in front of me and after about 20 minutes, I took pause and I'm like, I can't go forward with this lesson plan as planned because I realized that those students were those who were different than them and also seeking the diversity of opinions, which when you're in that time frame of your life, it's just so absolutely crucial. And so I applied that same entrepreneurship exercise to social justice. I said, OK, well, state where you stand on uh, relatively you know, somewhat controversial issues. So gay marriage, uh, healthcare, care, um, and immigration. And I said, don't tell me where you stand, but, but figure out where you stand uh, as yourself. And then I want you to go out and I want you to find three people who fundamentally disagree with you. And don't tell them your views, but try to interview them into a place where they reveal where they stand. And I want you to ask that person about their childhood. And about personal experiences that led to where they stand and why they, they stand where they do. Um, and the whole idea was around this, uh, this empathetic connection where you seek to understand somebody on the other side. And I think in business that applies where you need to find customers who disagree with your product, right? who don't like your product, who don't like your service, and you need to figure out why. Um, sometimes you can't reach everybody, but for new customer segments, if your product or service isn't taking, then using that same empathetic connection, whether it's networking or whether it's for a class or whether it's for your business is ex- extremely crucial to, uh, to, you know, the goals that you want to achieve.
0: So one of the things I speak about when I go into companies is I talk about this gap that exists between potential and performance, Now, when we look at entrepreneurs and you've had a career where you've worked with and around a lot of entrepreneurs, some people, I mean, we've all seen people who start businesses and we think, oh my God, she has so much potential and the business doesn't make it. And we see someone else and we're like, oh my God, she has so much potential. And the next thing she's on the cover of the wall street journal. What do you think the Delta is? I mean, everybody starts a business has potential. How come some people fall into the gap and other people find a way across that gap to get results?
1: For me, it really comes down to knowing your why right? So if you circle back to the example of Steve Jobs, he could have gotten distracted by all the naysayers, by the logistical uh, difficulties of creating what he wanted to do. Um, He could have gotten stopped by a whole lot of barriers. And I'm not saying Steve Jobs was by any means, you know, a a model person or character or or the only model or character. Um, But I think that what, what makes or break Breaks an entrepreneur. Um, it can be the business model, right? Um, but it's also if you if you have you know two entrepreneurs who are equal um, in the strength of their business models, then what will make one succeed and the other fails? Uh, that one knows their why, and it's what keeps you going. It's what keeps you going through the barriers, and it's what makes you look to the what everyone else sees as impossible, and it's what makes you look at the impossible and say, "Hey, that's totally possible, and I'm going to make it happen." So it's a combination of, you know, the why and the action, but it, for me, it it comes down to what motivates you every single day.
0: I think that's, I think that's a great point. Hey, I've got a couple more questions for you before I let you go, but first I've got to thank the main sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Kate McCreary. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Kate, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing that you are all doing right now at the Loyola Center for Entrepreneurship?
1: So we are in the process of pivoting our programs to work with the city. Um, So I'm actually working with um, some great folks out at Berkeley and Stanford to uh, co-create a curriculum where MBAs will work with the city to identify problems that the city is facing to create solutions to those problems and then go out and validate a potential market solution to those problems. Um, and so for me, that, that hits, you know, all of the, all of my whys. It is why I came back to new Orleans. It is the why of entrepreneurship. It's why I teach. And it's also why I choose to spend my time developing potential to solve problems um, on the day-to-day on a day-to-day basis. Um, the other cool thing that I'm doing on a personal basis is we used that uh, same model uh, this past semester to do tech commercialization, and we were extraordinarily fortunate to work with a national security agency on a couple of their patented technologies. And so um, the MBAs, uh, the team decided that there was market potential around one of the technologies, but they just didn't have the time to launch it. And so um, I'm taking that technology and running with it and trying to see where it goes. So, TBD on that.
0: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Hey, uh, one thing I ask everybody who comes on the show is I ask them, who is it that you admire in the world of entrepreneurship? Because we could talk about you and the program there at Loyola University all day, but I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So, when you look out at the entrepreneur sphere, who do you say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff?
1: So they're uh, the two folks, um, and they're both keys, but it's because they happen to be my brothers. Ah. Um, they my my brothers continue to inspire me every single day. Uh, they're both entrepreneurs. One's in New York City, and then the others in Miami. And what inspires me about um, how they are entrepreneurs is that they are such such extraordinary. Um, husbands and brothers and sons and entrepreneurs. And I think that that's the key uh, of What of what inspires me is that it's a yes and. It's not an either or. And they have just found such balance in able to both be successful, um, but also be successful in all spheres of their lives. And they're just happy, joyous um, men who, uh, who continue to live and continue to inspire me.
0: That's awesome. What type of businesses do they have?
1: So my oldest brother is in- In Miami, he runs a financial services firm. Uh, My second brother in uh, New York City, he has a chefware line that he Mm. started himself to address the need. Um, And both are doing extraordinarily well. Um, And so...
0: I think there's a lot of people who will want to interview your parents and find out what did you feed these kids to have these successful... (laughs) Three of them be successful entrepreneurial people.
1: A whole lot of crawfish etouffee and fried (laughs) uh, shrimp. So... uh, I was born in Korea, but I was adopted at three months old into a Cajun French white family. <laughs> and so um, with an Irish name. So the Irish comes from my dad, but my mom's whole side is Cajun and from New Orleans. So it's it's a lot of, um, I think... In spirit and practicality um and uh you know spiciness is what I like to call it. And then my my uh, both sides of my family are very warm-hearted and very generous. And I think it's with that spirit of giving um but also of, of uh you know practicality. Like if you weren't uh, if you weren't doing what you're supposed to do or performing up to set expectations, then you basically had to go back and redo it and (laughs) get your stuff together. You know,
0: (laughs) that's awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being a guest here on cool things entrepreneurs do. If someone listening is like, I need to know more about Loyola university and the center for entrepreneurship, or if they want to know more about Kate McCreary, how do they find you?
1: Uh, They can email us at innovate at Loyno L O Y N O dot edu, or they can find me on LinkedIn. Nice,
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I say it every week though, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So if you like cool things entrepreneurs do, do me a favor, tell a friend because when I talk to people about how did you find it, almost everybody says somebody recommended it to them. Yeah, some people find it through search. Some people find it through social media. But most people that I talk to say, oh, it was my dad or it was my brother or it was my boss who said you got to listen to the show. So if you like the show, tell a friend because we're trying to grow. We've just gone through a big growth spurt in 2019. We are headed towards episode number 500 coming up very, very shortly. Less than 20 episodes away. Uh, so we're looking to keep going after we get to that point. So uh, the only way we can do it is with that audience. So keep keep telling your friends. I appreciate it. Jump over to iTunes and leave a review. That always makes me happy when there's a new review. And we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Kate. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? You know, a Korean girl adopted into a Cajun Irish family. How will you find anybody that cool? We'll do it. We'll find somebody just as cool. But in the meantime, go out there and try new things. And while you're doing it, have a great day.